With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. News Radio 700 WLW. Mike Allen in tonight for Gary Jeff Walker on this, the night after election night. You know, I don't know about you. I hope you listened last night. I had a heck of a time. I mean, I actually thoroughly enjoyed that. Three hours is a lot of radio to do, and three hours from the hours of 9 p.m. to midnight can sometimes be a little draining. But, man, it flew by last night. It was really exciting. It was really fun. Thanks to all of you for listening I hope we uh, imparted a little bit of knowledge last night, but I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm a political junkie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, you know, a lot of people said, you know, hey, Mike, what's the big deal? It's an off-year election. You know, nothing statewide other than issues up. Uh, Not that big of a deal, but it was. I mean, it was for this community. We got two new judges uh, in our municipal court. That's the court where most of the public get their taste of the justice system. Alan Triggs, uh, new municipal court judge, was elected last night. We talked to him. Jackie Janakia, who already is a municipal court judge, but through appointment by Governor Kasich, she won a six-year term for herself over on the West Side Judicial District 7. Township trustees, I mean, the heart of municipal government at a smaller level, had, uh, had some turnover last night, turnover on the Colerain Township. Board of Township Trustees, Delhi Township, Sycamore Township. And then leading into the city of Cincinnati, the mayor's race. And, you know, I don't think that a lot of people were surprised that John Cranley won. I think there was some question about it simply because of the thumping that Yvette Simpson put on Mayor Cranley in the primary. I guess there was somewhat of a question, but, you know, she gave uh, John Cranley a sword, or actually John Cranley gave her a sword, that being the Children's Hospital debacle, and, boy, he twisted it in, uh, and he really took that issue and drove it home, and won convincingly, 54% to 46% over Yvette Simpson. City Council, we've got three new city council members. That's fully one-third of city council is changing and the three new council members are young people people that are ready to make their mark on city council democrats tamaya denard and uh, greg landsman they won they won pretty handily and the young man you're going to hear from in just a minute here republican jeff pastor jeff came in ninth place he was all around ninth tenth Eighth all night long, but at the end of the voting, the end of the night, he ends up number nine. Number nine gets you on council, winning with 21,339 votes. Uh, his next competitor, and I don't want to say her name because she's probably not feeling real good right now. Don't want to rub it in, but you know, at the end of the, the night, it was a little bit close at first, but 
Jeff Pastor opened up that lead on her. He's got a comfortable lead at ninth. I don't think there'll be any issue for a recount. And we want to talk to this young man. Jeff Pastor, welcome to the big one. And first and foremost, congratulations. Thank you, Mike Allen. And thank you for having me here on your show. My pleasure, my pleasure. I got to ask you, what did you do today? Walk us through your day today, the day after your victory. And let me point out, you are a first-time council candidate. You are a first-time Republican council candidate in a very Democratic city, and you won. So you got to be feeling good. What did you do today? Well, (laughs) I tried to rest, uh, Uh and then that wasn't sufficient because I went to bed at 4, Woke up at seven, and then I made my uh, rounds, giving my congratulatory remarks, uh, talking to my wife, uh, and really just preparing myself for governance. I'll tell you, wait, now you guys get sworn in when? I've, you know, I've heard somebody, some people say that we get sworn in on December the first. I've heard people say we get sworn in on in January, but I'm pretty sure it's December first. Or sometime in December. I think you're right about that for city council, and you'll be ready for it. What What are some of the things that you're going to be doing to prepare yourself for it? Well, the things that I do to prepare myself is trying to figure out a way that we uh, focus on um, governing, good policy positions, um, make collaboration, and all those things that are incredibly important. I tell people uh, quite often that I don't want to make the rookie mistakes. I don't want to get in there and, and say, you know, I want 15 pieces of legislation that I want passed. So for me, it's all about studying, getting to know the issues in detail, um, you know, getting to meet other council members before you can you can prepare sound policies. But number one thing is making sure you, you have, as your guide, sound fiscal policies uh, that you're going to be a watchdog over taxpayer dollars. And so when I get there, I mean, that's, that's, that's the number one thing. Research, study, collaborate, uh, and then take action. Let me ask you this. Have you had a chance yet to talk to Mayor Cranley? Have you thought about committee assignments, maybe where you'd like to go as far as committees? It's a great question. You know, anywhere uh, that the mayor would like for me to serve, uh, I'm willing to serve. Um, I did speak to uh, Mayor Cranley last night uh, and had a great conversation. Uh, and I've already said congratulations to him, but I'll say it on the show. Congratulations, Mayor Cranley, <laughs> if you're listening. Um, and just had a healthy conversation and said I'm ready to work with the mayor to move the city forward. You have a master's in business administration, and you just talk up, talked about fiscal responsibility. Is that going to be one of the main things that you look out for in city council? Because I sure think it's needed. Absolutely. And because the reality is we can't ask for the citizens to pull themselves around the bootstraps as we just spend, spend, spend. And and, and, and being a fiscal conservative uh, doesn't mean that you don't want to spend. It means that you want to spend wisely so we can get the best return on our investment. Um, and so that's a promise that I made on the campaign trail that, you know, our concern should be re- reducing poverty, crime, and taxpayer costs by focusing on jobs, education, and housing. And whatever comes across my desk, I want to make sure that it's fiscally sound, that we're going to get the best return on our investment, and that is fair for all taxpayers. Probably one of the smartest fiscal guys, financial guys on city council is Chris Smitherman, a financial advisor by trade. Chris is an independent, but I think you guys are pretty closely philosophically aligned. Is he a council member you're going to try to get close to and work with? I'm going to make sure I stay close to Councilwoman Murray, uh, Councilman Mm -hmm. Smitherman, Mayor Cranley. Um, and because I, I really respect their fiscal uh, ideology. Um, I like how 
Uh, they are partners with the business community, uh, responsive to citizen needs, prioritizing basic services, uh, public safety, which is incredibly important for taxpayers. Oh, yeah. um, and, and just some of the ideas over the last four years that I think would be healthy uh, going into the next four years, I'm going to make sure that uh, they remain mentors to me. And, you know, that's a good group that you mentioned there. Talked to a guy last night right at the close of the show, and I'll tell you, I am just sad to see him go off of city council, and I hope he continues his career of public service. I know you know who I'm talking about, and that's our mutual friend, Charlie Winburn. You know, <laughs> if I know Charlie, and I know you know Charlie, he's not yeah. going to go uh, go hide in a corner somewhere or just be completely a preacher, which he is par yeah. excellence at what kind of yeah. influence will charlie have on you and i guess other members of council but mainly you well you know and that's a great question i charlie uh was instrumental in helping me maneuver uh through the last about 62 63 days of this uh election um and you know as an elder statesman that he is uh he's helped me to you know to refine my message craft my message and to be able to have the right advertisement package for me to be able to get my name out there. Um, I, I value uh, fiscal conservatives. Uh, and as you know, he was there to help along with Mayor Cranley and Smitherman and Murray uh, to craft land for that matter, to craft a structurally balanced budget. So I'm always open uh, to sound wisdom from people like uh, uh, Councilman, outgoing Councilman uh, Charlie Winburn. Um, so he's instrumental. And I, I think that um, it, it's just, my nature i'm just humble by nature right you you absolutely are and you know driving around town when i saw your billboards and a lot of times in political advertising and i'm i'm kind of rusty at all of this a candidate would come into me when i was chairman and said mr chairman i'm going to spend x amount of dollars on billboards and it's like oh boy i don't know if that's a wise expenditure i don't think there's any doubt that yours were you know especially the ones and i don't know if you had a series of them but you in your Navy uniform, and there's nothing yeah. fake or, you know, illegitimate about that. That's that's what you did. That's who you are, and I think it was very effective. Yeah, and I think for me, now the Navy uniform picture was my idea. That wasn't Councilman Wimpers. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Sorry, Charlie. So, but, um, no, that, that was my idea because I wanted people to understand that I was ready to serve. However, I'm, I should clarify, when I say boobers, I'm talking about the four-by-eight. You know, the big yard. Right, sign. right, right. Uh, that's, that's when we were able to turn this campaign uh, completely around. But, you know, I, I think that before you can even get to advertising material, you have to have first have first done the, you know, the, the prerequisite uh, work, which I, I call, consider knocking on doors. Absolutely. You know, so we decided to knock on our doors early to get buzz going and keep precincts. Well, you know. I, t I tell you, you sure hit the right places and knocked on a lot of doors. I wanted to ask you about something. In the closing days of the campaign, that's when I thought, you know, this young man's for real. This young man wants it. You loaned your campaign, if I'm not mistaken, $54,000. Is that correct? That's correct. And, boy, I tell you what, Jeff Pastor, you talk about tossing the dice. I mean, as a – which will you will soon be an incumbent council member, I'm not exactly sure what the fundraising rules are, but I think you'll be able to recoup that relatively easily. But that was a heck of a risk, and I think it shows your dedication and your desire to get this job and now do this job was that a difficult decision for you uh, to, to lend your campaign that much money? 
it was a difficult decision for my wife and I. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> uh, because it, essentially, you you are taking a risk when you loan your your camera. And I think what what really um, really you know kind of set the uh, tone for us was when we when we knew that we could win this campaign. When we when we knew that uh, we had to dif- differentiate ourselves from the the pack, and we said that we have a unique story to tell. Um, and we just have to have the right resources to, to tell that story. Um, and so, you know, after consulting with lawyers and that sort of thing, we said, well, this is the best option for us. Uh, and we did it. So you um, did. And you certainly did do it. I have to ask you this. Tell me what election night was like for you. I assume you were probably at the board down there. I, I think you were at least a little bit with Charlie watching that that lead go back and forth, back and forth. And then finally, when the last precincts come in, you came in strong. What was that like? It was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, and it was, uh, I mean, it was amazing in terms of the outcome. But uh, going through the process, it was difficult, you know, because you never knew. <laughs> I mean, when I started off, I started off, I think, uh, in in the lead. Yeah, you the, did. I know you did. You know, and, and with the early voting, and I'm like, wow, this is going to be a great day. And then for a while there, as they were reporting, I'm like, wow, I'm just, I was never too far off. Right. Um, and, and so I said, you know, I kept asking, you know, people in the war room, I said, what what precincts have reported? Um, and, and when we figured, when we started seeing the wars reporting, we started Bond Hill and Rose Line and yeah. all these other, I'm like, man, we're not losing by much. So we, we have to be doing something. Um, and then when they told me that the West Side hasn't reported, That's right. I, I just knew. I said, this, this, this is going to end in our favor. And I want to say this. I said this uh, earlier today on Gary Jeff Walker's uh, show. It was Sailor Park. Really? 21st, 19th Ward. 21st or 19th? Uh, 21st. That's right. Okay. I'll be darned. Well, you know what? That's always been good Republican territory. Hey, uh, council member elect Jeff Pastor, we got to get out of here. But thank you so much for calling in. I hope we can call on you again. Please, yes. Thanks for having me, and thank you to your listeners. Have a great day. Okay, thank you, Jeff. Wow, what a great young man. So happy for him. Uh, Council member-elect Jeff Pastor, you're going to be hearing a lot from this young man. Mike Allen in for Gary Jeff Walker, News Radio 700 WLW. Hey, I'm going to pose a question. Should a chief executive officer of a major city be allowed to call the head of a major public employee union and threaten that union head with a federal investigation for no legitimate reason whatsoever. I mean, is this right? Is this appropriate? And could it possibly constitute a criminal offense? Talking about the explosive story that broke today, uh, it's dominating the local news the story of a late-night telephone call from City Manager Harry Black to FOP President Dan Hills. It occurred very late at night, and some of the news outlets have been playing snippets of it. When we come back after the news, we're going to talk to Dan Hills, and we're going to hear every word of that telephone conversation, and you can decide whether that call and what was contained on that call is appropriate. So after the news at the 930 block, we're going to hear from Dan Hills, and we're also going to hear that phone conversation in its entirety. Mike Allen and for Gary Jeff Walker, News Radio 700 WLW.
1-800-849-7000, 1-800-THE-BIG-1. Mike Allen in for Gary Jeff Walker. Explosive story making the rounds of local media outlets today. Uh, it's a story of pressure. It's a story of, I think, a union chief trying to do and doing the right thing by his members. And, boy, it's got people talking. Let me try to lay this out for you, and we're going to talk to Dan Hills. Okay, here's the genesis of all this. Back on August the 8th, a female individual calls the Cincinnati Police Department. She reports that two of her male relatives are refusing to leave her house. So two District 4 officers respond to the residence. It's on West McMicken. Police officers get there, and these male relatives, as sometimes happens, they refuse to leave, and one of them man by the name of James Crawley, who's 25 years of old, 25 years old, got into it with one of the police officers to the point where he had to be tased because he assaulted a police officer, and that is a felony. Assault on a police officer is a felony under Ohio law. Also was charged with resisting arrest and criminal trespass, which are misdemeanors. So the case starts to wind its way through the system. It's now set for December 11th. I wasn't able to find out what it's set for, probably set for trial on, I'm sorry, December 11th, if I didn't say that. Okay, someone files a complaint with the CCA, which is the Citizens Complaint Authority. It's a group that's set up at City Hall. Some have referred to it as a kangaroo court. It's there supposedly for police accountability. This panel hears citizens' complaints against police, and, you know, they do whatever they do, and, you know, I don't really know what happens from there. However, a criminal case, and I can't be more clear about this, a criminal case trumps anything like the CCA, the Citizens Complaint Authority. The criminal case takes precedent. So anyway, the CCA sets a hearing for Tuesday, October 31st, which very well could include and probably would include testimony from the police officers. And this is testimony from police officers while a criminal case is pending. Wholly and completely inappropriate. Completely inappropriate and probably, and there's no probably about it, it's illegal, it's improper, it's inappropriate. So what does our county prosecutor do? On Monday, October the 30th, Joe Dieters files a motion to restrain the CCA, the Citizens Complaint Authority, from having this hearing. And Joe Dieters is absolutely right about that. Judge Jody Lubers granted that motion saying, hey, Citizens Complaint Authority, no, you can't do that because the criminal case is pending. And I want to read a couple of things that Joe Dieters said. And as you all know, I've been critical of Mr. Dieters in the past, you know, maybe two or three times out of two or three hundred. Boy, he's got a bit of a thin skin, but he's absolutely right on this one. Joe Dieters said, we are merely seeking a short delay of the Citizens Complaint Authority hearing. We asked them to delay their hearing until after the criminal case, and they refused. So we had no option but to file a TRO. And again, Joe Dieters is right. Joe goes on to say, our concern is that the Citizens Complaint Authority hearing, which compels testimony by the officers, could impact the criminal case. And he's, he's absolutely right about that. Once the criminal case is concluded, 
the CCA can have their hearing. And Joe Dieter said, my only goal is to make sure that the police officers in this case have their criminal case protected. And again, Joe Dieters did the right thing and Judge Lubers did the right thing. Here to pick up the story is FOP President Dan Hills. Dan, welcome back to 700 WLW. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Did I lay that out right? Is that factually accurate? Um, uh, District 1, cops, not District 4. Okay. And uh, I think it was Judge Martin, the duty judge, that uh, did the order, even though Judge Louvers is hearing the case. But okay. Besides that, besides that excellent. Um, you, you laid it all out, so um, everybody's got the background and the pictures, so oh, thank you. Okay, what happened from there, Dan Hills? Well, um, you know, as you stated, the temporary restraining order was put out, so at that time uh, it became clear, you know, the, the, the officers would not have to go and be interviewed slash interrogated by uh, the CCA um, investigators, which was, uh, you know, a goal of mine. And, uh, you know, like you said, uh, kudos uh, to Joe Dieters. For, Absolutely. Yeah, kudos to Joe Dieters because, um, you know, let's make this, let's make this clear now. I, I have no issues whatsoever, and nor does Joe Dieters, I am certain, with civilian review. There's nothing wrong with civilian review of police officers. We uh, live in a society where we do not want a police state, and um, and in Cincinnati they choose uh, the, the, to do it this way. There's some <laughs> there's some uh, holes in it, and I could comment on sometimes the people on the board. But um, in general, um, I, I have no issues with uh, with uh, civilian review of what we do. Okay. So. So uh, that all said, um, uh, you have to give recognition, I think, to some cases of the, the criminal cases being more important. I think the criminal cases is more important than everything, but I'm not going to uh, make waves, talk about if the, there's a stop sign violation and a citizen complaint. Uh, chronologically, I really don't care what, what happens, you know, if the, if the trial goes first uh, or, or if... Um, Right. If uh, the citizen complaint interviews go first. Dan, Dan Hills, can you get to the recording? Uh, we want to start playing that. And if, if oh, we okay. have to break for the news, uh, we'll play the rest of it after the news. What happened with the recording? Well, what happened with the recording was I was um, called by Mr. Black. I'm not uh, one to communicate much with Mr. Black more or vice versa. It was uh, Friday night, Friday night before Halloween. Um, uh, like I said, I haven't talked to the man. 12, 18 months by phone. Anyway, if we happen to cross paths, we may say, you know, nod, hello. Um, but anyway, uh, phone rings. Um, I'm at my uh, girlfriend's house. It's um, almost quarter of midnight, quarter of 12, and uh, I still have a son logged in my phone, Harry Black. So I'm a little bit surprised. But when I picked up the phone, I did remember that I've heard, <laughs> as the rumors get through the grapevine, that Sometimes Mr. Black will call late night calls mm -hmm. and, um, and that's when he chooses to do some criticism slash intimidation of some of the people that work for him. So it, it, it quickly, I quickly realized that these were one of those calls and within, um, within maybe a minute, maybe a minute and a half, I, I was able to, um, acquire a recording device and, um, and start, uh, recording 
the phone conversation because I could see where it was going. Okay, Dan Hills, we're going to get to it. I want to point out and make this crystal clear unequivocally. In the state of Ohio, it is completely legal to record a phone call if one person on that call knows that it's being recorded. Of course, Dan Hills knew this was being recorded. So, Dan, I'm going to put you on hold here for a little bit, and we're going to listen to some of the With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Just call, okay? Okay, that sounds good. Mike. All right. Taryn, could you play the call? I'm trying to obstruct the CCA. Obstruct? And I cannot honestly sit down at the table with a refresh with you all doing what you are doing right now. And I will let the world know this, that you guys are intentionally obstructing the CCA process. I know that you are behind it. No, am I behind... um, If I walk away from this as a city manager, do you know that we'll do to the department? I, I don't even know why we're talking about walking away from the CCA. I want to make sure that a criminal case doesn't get... No, you are interfering with the CCA's work. But you're doping it through other people. Uh, again, I'm not sure. Uh, there is a criminal case that I am concerned about. That is Dan, all I'm doing. Dan, Dan, Dan. Look, you are involved with... We're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we'll talk to Dan Hills, uh, and we'll hear the rest of this tape. Mike Allen, and for Gary Jeff Walker, News Radio 700, WLW. Hey, we're back on the big one. Mike Allen in for Gary Jeff Walker talking to Dan Hills, president of FOP Lodge 69. Uh, we had to take a little bit of a break there. Apologize for the uh, couple S-bombs that got out. Uh, my producer is going to uh, go through the rest of this call and just to make sure that there are no further uh, S-bombs or anything else of that nature. But it, before we do, we got a break for the news in a minute. We come back from the news. We're going to listen to all of this thing. Dan Hills, kind of walk us through what we heard so far on this tape between you and the city manager. Well, you know, I think in the beginning is when he pretty much was uh, starting out uh, speaking about his displeasure uh, about me uh, being involved in um, 
advocating uh, that these um, that these interviews were delayed. And that's, a, again, all we're doing is delaying these interviews. We're not trying to stop investigations of police or anything. We're just trying to delay. And so, and, and Dan Hills, as union president, isn't that your job to advocate for the men and women of the Cincinnati Police Department? Amen. Uh, yes, that's the part that uh, um, it, somehow it seems like it's been a bit of a shock. Um, uh, maybe my uh, style has been a little bit more out and open than uh, uh, past recent uh, folks with the FOP, but um, it seems like such a shock to these folks. I can't get over. I'm shocked that they're shocked all the time. Um, you know, that is my job. I'm supposed to advocate uh, for the uh, for police officers, police officers who were assaulted in this case. Mike, they were assaulted. Uh, they they came to me because they they thought how terrible it was that they had to go and get interrogated before they could even get a case adjudicated on on people that assaulted them and were arrested and charged with a felony assault on a police officer. And the story that I'm getting is that Joe Dieters, the county prosecutor, before he filed the temporary restraining order, asked, I mean, just someone from his office, maybe it was him, just said, you know, hey, citizens complaint authority, don't do this until after the criminal case. And they refused. Is that accurate? I think that's likely accurate. I know because I had lobbied um, uh, the chief at the first time these uh, interviews came up and he was able to delay them. Um, the second time, apparently, my guess is that's when the manager got involved and the chief, uh, he answers to the manager. So that's when um, my request was no longer um, held the second time they had interviews, still shy of the trial because the trial on the assault on the officer is uh, in early December. Um, they were going to do these interviews again. And every attorney I talked to, even I talked to an attorney in the manager's own solicitor's office that said, oh, this is a really bad idea. They have these interviews. Um, but um, it, it didn't matter what anybody thought except for what the manager thought. I, I, I see now, I assume. And when a Cincinnati police officer comes to you as the FOP president, and you're the FOP president, and you have the powers that you have because of a collecting collective bargaining agreement, that the city signed when they come to you with something like this, you got to take action, don't you? Well, I mean, of course, if uh, what they want is reasonable, and I, you know, I think that their point of view is just, and in this case, I very much agreed. Um, again, you you said a word, uh, or if I didn't say it first, uh, to advocate. That is the job that's best stated for the FOP president. That's why I get relieved of uh, other duties. My job. And speaks a little bit to the hours that he called. I have more or less banker hours to to uh, assist in running the the you know the general business of the hall. But I also um, there are available to uh, advocate for police officers. They reach out to me. I represent them in hearings, uh, administrative hearings, administrative interviews, and things of that nature. And if need be, I'm I can um, advocate through the media. Uh, directly to politicians and, and, and things of that nature. That's exactly what it is. I see the role of the uh, fraternal order police president. And, you know, you've been a strong FOP president and your predecessors have been as well. Somewhat of a tradition in the city of Cincinnati. And I'll tell you, with the attack by some segments of the community on the police, you need a strong FOP president now more than ever, and I'm going to tell you, I'd get on my soapbox here a little bit. It is just a basic tenet 
of our legal system that a criminal case takes precedence over any kind of administrative action that a governmental entity wants to take. Let me ask you, have you ever heard of it happening before where a CCA, Citizens Complaint Authority hearing, and testimony is to be taken from officers that would occur before a criminal trial. Has that ever happened before? And just give me a quick answer on that, Dan, because we got a break. Yeah, yes, this is a problem I was aware of, and uh, sometimes it's all about selecting the right case to bring it up on. Gotcha. Okay, we got to take a break, but when we get back, uh, we're going to uh, listen to the rest of that tape. Mike Allen, and for Gary Jeff Walker, News Radio 700, WLW. News Radio 700 WLW, Mike Allen in tonight for Gary Jeff Walker. Hey, we're going to get right back to it. We're talking to FOP President Dan Hills about a phone call he received in the late evening hours of October 27th from Cincinnati City Manager Harry Black that some may see and, and construe as threatening. Dan, let me ask you, it was October 27th the call came in. I mean, we're in the first week of November. Was there a reason that you waited uh, for the period of time that you did to release this call? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, the uh, the election, uh, the the, uh, the mayor election, the council election, all those things. I didn't want this uh, story to hit and have any effect on any of the candidates involved. Um, so I thought that it would, even though I was anxious, uh, because I want some transparency, accountability, um, uh, to this, uh, office in this position, the same as is demanded on our officers. Um, I, uh, I said, I was going to just wait until the election was over. Okay. Let's get back to the uh, call. We're going to play it. We'll come back to you uh, in a little bit, Dan Hills. But I want our listeners to hear this, not snippet by snippet, like they're getting on, some of the news outlets, simply because they have to, I want to hear have them hear it in its entirety. So, Taryn, could you uh, resume the call, please? Uh, again, I know what I'm doing, and I'm, I'm trying to protect a particular criminal case where police officers were assaulted. Again, again, Dan, you are participating in, in, in an obstruction of the CCA process. Well, I mean, you know, Mr. Black, it's, it's, this, is, this is a unique thing, getting called <laughs> late in the evening um, with you uh, more or less threatening me. I'm not threatening you, Dan. See, that's the again. I'm not threatening you. What I'm saying to you is we're trying to do a process. You know what, Dan? If that's just some things, then that's, that's okay. You know? This what it is. You know what I'm going to do, Dan, ultimately? If this doesn't change, I am going to personally engage the U.S. Department of Justice with this department. The, you're going to you're going to engage the U.S. Department of Justice on the, ask them to come back on the, because of you because of me because of me. You're going to ask the DOJ to come back. Yes. And do what? Because of one little union, because of one little union leader, you're going to ask the DOJ to come back? If I have to. Well. If I have to. 
Mr. Black, I think you and I should probably talk about this another time, but I... Well, we can, we can do that. It, 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 doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. Because you and I, we've already talked. Dan, what I'm saying to you, you can twist this any kind of way you want to twist it, okay? What I'm saying to you is that I'm not going to deal with this. Okay. I'm not going to deal with it. It's so... Trying to do good, important work here, and if you're not supportive of it, and if you're going to do everything to undermine our efforts in this regard, then I can't do anything. I've got to ask for outside help. And your your idea of outside help is to ask the Department of Justice to come in here. That's the only entity that could make a difference here. And what is it you're going to say the 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 Cincinnati Police Department is guilty of? What do you mean I want the old school? You're going to do everything that you can to try to get the old school way. What what do you mean by the old school? Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. No, I really don't. I don't know what you mean by the old school way. No accountability. You don't think I want accountability in the Cincinnati Police Department? No, you don't want any accountability. Then we know this. I, I, I tend to differ with you quite a bit, there, Mister Black. Yeah, you don't. You don't care. I don't care. What I'm saying to you, Dan, is this. Okay. Look, we've got some serious stuff going on with the CCA. And it concerns me at city manager. All I'm saying to you is like, look, you and your group, you continue to do what you're gonna do. All I'm saying to you is I don't wanna have to get a call to be okay. But I'm prepared to do that. That's all my message is to you. I've heard your message, and like I said, I can't help but to feel it's a bit of a, a, a threat. I've heard you say that. You know, the only thing I've done with the CCA is tried to get them to delay an interview, interviews on, on an assault on a law officer case. The county prosecutor, you have no right to do that. You're in violation of every the collective bargaining agreement doesn't allow the union leader to talk to politicians or the the, the, the you are doing more than Dan what I'm saying to you is this I'm not taking this off Facebook you continue to do what you're doing 
All right. Well, I mean, if you think that the, the, the Department of Justice has business to do here, then I would say go to the Department of Justice. I, I think our department, our police department will stand up to any review. I think we treat citizens fairly. So the, you think the Department of Justice would have interest in prosecuting me? On my behavior, yes. I, I, well, Mr. Black, I'm I'm very sorry that you feel that way about my behavior. Yeah, what, I, what I'm saying to you, Dan, you do whatever you want to do. You articulate whatever you want to articulate. Okay. Okay. What I'm trying to tell you is that I'm getting tired of it, and I'm going to turn it. If 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 it continues, I will turn it over to the feds. Is what I'm, what I'm saying to you. If you want me to do that, then I will. All right, Mr. Black. That's all I'm saying to you. I will turn it over to the feds. And I will turn it over to all of the other entities that are non-federal related. I will turn it over to the ACLU and everybody else. And you feel all these agencies will then investigate me? Absolutely. And that somehow I could get... Arrested or charged? No, no, not at all. It's not about getting arrested or charged. It's about accountability. You, we all, all have to be accountable. It's in our behavior. I, I, I understand what you're thinking. I just don't know what, um, what it is they are going to do with the accountability. When, can, can I just explain real quickly what, what it is with CCA? You know, two of my officers were hurt, actually three. It's unethical. Three of them were... working with Dave Bailey, and you've co-opted the county prosecutor's office to do your bidding. Well, first off, I don't think uh, Dave Bailey and I are known to work together very well, but... I'm politically motivated. What's that? You want to be sheriff? I've I've discussed I've discussed sheriff with the Republican Party, but but it's probably not something I'm going to do. It, and you want to be the sheriff of Hamilton County, so you you are and you are going to do anything that you can. You're you're breaking up a little bit right now. I'm sorry, Mr. Black, you're, break, you're breaking up a little bit. I don't know if you're close to your phone. Okay. I'm sorry. What I'm saying, Dan, is this. The behavior is getting to a point where I've been watching it, I've been listening to it, and I'm getting to the point where I am contemplating turning this over to the feds. I understand that. I just don't understand what it is the federal government would do with Dan Hills' behavior. Well, because it's called police corruption and, that, and, that, and, and on ethics. That's what it is. 
Uh, okay, well, I consider myself very ethical. I just uh, have... Uh, You you feel the officers in this case have done I'm sorry. Um. Anyway, Dan, you know what? I'm going to be done. I'm just letting you know, continue to, um, if you, you and your people continue to obstruct CCA, I am going to turn this over to the DOJ. All right. I understand. All right, Mr. Black. I understand it. Yes, sir. Is that simple? Yes, sir. Is that simple? Yes, sir. All right. Yeah. Good night. All right. Good night. Good night. Call. That's the call in its entirety. Uh, Dan, want to ask you a few questions about this, but we're going to have to take a news break in just a little bit. Can you stay through the uh, the ten thirty break for just a few minutes after that? Yeah. Sure. Okay. You know, I, I hear this thing, and I and I'm I'm frankly dumbfounded. Some of the things that were said, some of the accusations made against you. I mean, as I'm listening, I'm writing uh, from the city manager, I'm going to personally engage the United States Department of Justice because of you. Uh, I mean, it's hard for me to fathom what he's referring to here. In the few minutes we have before we have to break, probably a lot of people don't know what the role of the FOP president is under the collective bargaining agreement that the city agreed to Many, many years from now, you don't operate like an ordinary police officer. Is that correct? Uh, no, sir. I'm again, I'm on release, uh, which means I don't uh, have to do uh, routine duties, which for a police sergeant, uh, I like I was just in District 3. You know, I, I, I worked 10 hour shifts and uh, shagged radio runs and supervised the troops in the field. I got released from that when I was elected as president. I, I uh, helped manage the day to day operations of the union. And uh, I advocate for policemen. Like I said, I, I respond to hearings and do all those things. I'm released, and um, I'm expected in my mind to uh, speak up uh, publicly in the media and anywhere where there is a concern that uh, you know police officers aren't being treated. Yeah, and and the city wow. man the city manager said you have no right to engage the county prosecutor now. You have a police officer who was assaulted. There is a criminal case pending, and presumably that police officer comes to you and says, hey, you know, I've got to go before this uh, CCA. The criminal case is still pending. As FOP president, you got to take action. Is that correct? Yeah, I, uh, again, if I agree and, and, and they're correct and, uh, you know, my estimation of their uh – uh, being wronged and that this process is somehow wrong, uh, then yeah, I'm going to get involved. That's, that's what I do. You, you, in a way you make the job your own. And to me, I thought it was disgusting that these cops and, and, um, you know, I can't talk too much about the case, but right. when the case is, when the case is out there, you'll see how disgusting this is that the, they get assaulted just trying to do their job. 
trying to teach people with respect and having all the patients in the world. And before, before the ink is dried on their reports, they are going to be interviewed slash interrogated by civilian complaint authority investigators. Um, and this case has not even been adjudicated. Uh, people who uh, assaulted cops hurt cops uh, have not yet been judged. And we yet were trying to investigate the, the, these officers. And uh, also, you know, to me, that threatens the, the criminal case. You as an attorney know that every time you interview somebody, they can be the most honest person in the world. Every time you interview somebody, it's going to be a little bit different. So if you interview them, then put them on the stand. If somebody gets a hold of that interview, right. then they're going to try to put out, you know, pull out any inconsistencies and use that against them. And so that's that's why I, I thought this was uh, so egregious, especially on a felony, especially when one of our, our well, a couple of our cops were uh, hurt in this thing, and one was uh, uh, specifically punched and targeted. You know, the, the city manager does not impress me at all as a stupid man. Quite the contrary. He impresses me as a very intelligent man. Does he not understand that the criminal process, you know, where people can go to prison, where, you know, you're under oath, where it's proof beyond a reasonable doubt, supersedes any kind of administrative action that the city wants to take? I mean, is that your impression that he just doesn't get that? I don't understand that part of it. No, I don't think I don't think he does, and I don't think he understands. You know, your basic balance and all this. Uh, we we do have video in this case. Um, so if there was if there was something that we knew early on that was egregious about the uh, police officer's behavior, I could get it. You know, I could understand a little bit. Um, but in in this case here. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Where all our early indication is, is like I said, guys are doing their job. They probably use too much uh, patience. Um, and, uh, again, ended up paying the price, getting banged up pretty good. A couple of the, of the cops got banged up pretty good. Um, that uh, the, the priority is, is, is very much, yes, the prosecution of offenders and not their um, uh, complaints, which I, I do believe will be found out to be completely frivolous. Um, and and uh, there would be no reason that the chronological order couldn't be different here to assure that the very important prosecution of these offenders is given the priority that it should be given. All right. Hey, listen, we got a break for the news, but can you stay through the news and just have a few more questions for you? Oh, you bet. All right. Thank you, Dan. All right. We'll get back to you. All right. Mike Allen and for Gary Jeff Walker, we'll be back with uh, FOP President Dan Hills on News Radio 700 WLW. Hey. News Radio 700 WLW. Mike Allen in for Gary Jeff Walker. Talking about a very serious matter tonight with FOP President Dan Hills and revolves around a phone call that was made by City Manager Harry Black to Mr. Hills, who, as I said, is the FOP president on October 27th. 
in the late evening hours, and we want to go back to Dan Hills. Dan, I, one of the things that I heard on that phone call, and again, I want to point out, and I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but I think it's important that our listeners know that the law in the state of Ohio is crystal clear and has been for many, many years that if two people are talking on a telephone or any other kind of device and one person decides to record that call, it is totally legal. The law is clear that as long as one person knows that the call is being recorded, and obviously you did, it's completely legal. So I just wanted to make sure that our listeners knew that. But one thing is, go ahead, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, um, to, to that point, I, I was aware of that. You know, I have some basic knowledge of the law of being a policeman for 30 years. I get it. Um, I just want to make sure our listeners know. Yeah, but, but I want to bring up another thing about the law because, uh, you know, today was a frustrating day for me. Um, you as a former prosecutor, wouldn't mind if you uh, weighed in. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, uh, between Loveland, where I was, Cincinnati, where I live, and Hamilton County, that incorporates both of these, uh, uh, and the, uh, the, the prosecutor's office right now, everybody's kind of playing a political, uh, hot potato. With well, the and you bring up, a, you, you bring up a good point on that. And I was going to get to it, but since, since you're getting to it, let's just get to it. But I did want to point out, I mean, he called John ethical Dan Hills and for a police officer, anybody in the public eye, I don't think there's anything worse than that. I mean, that had to offend you, did it not? Sure, that offended me. You know, also what offended me is some, uh, you know, indication, belief uh, that I don't want to, uh, any accountability. Yeah. Some, some uh, belief that it would be okay to have the DOJ um, investigate the entire police department just because of the problem he has with me. Uh, so you're, you're talking about the, the city and the taxpayers uh, possibly facing yeah. you know, something very, very expensive again, which, you know, we'd stand up to just fine. But, uh, you know, Mike, 29, 17, 21, telecommunications harassment, um, the, the wording in A, the A part, before we go to the number part one to complete the code is basically anybody make a phone call or telecommunications, which obviously he did. He made a phone call. He called me. But one, makes the telecommunication with a purpose to harass, intimidate, or abuse any person. Intimidate. This is 10 minutes of his purpose to intimidate. It doesn't say that I have to be intimidated, um, you know, and uh, it, it's a little frustrating for me because, I, like I said, decision-making and all the agencies that I've tried to get to make a report, of course, has gone right to the top. And so there's a lot of uh, hesitancy here because it's political. You know, if any other normal everyday citizen walked into a police district and wanted to make a telephone harassment complaint, it would be filed well. within – would be within minutes, but they they're not filing one, even though I, I presented the uh, yeah. Dan Hills, let's talk about that. Let's do it by the numbers. What do you want to see happen out of this, and what have you done along those lines? Well, I uh, I believed, and and there was some uh, debate amongst some friends of mine. But as I as I knew where I was going to go. Um, but I went to uh, the city of Loveland where I uh, was at at the time at the phone call, so I thought that's where I was victimized. From a jurisdiction standpoint, you're right. It can be there. Okay, so um, they had some question about whether or not this was an, uh, an offense or one that could be charged or not. And like I said, I read this section, and I don't even – I'm not even blinking at it, but, uh, you know, uh, there can be different opinions. 
But also, some other people are telling me you can report this anywhere um, as far as uh, where you were, where the caller was from. And, you know, I think the caller probably called from his residence, which I'm uh, pretty certain is in the city of Cincinnati, but don't know if I can prove that at this point. Um, so, but my address is in the city of Cincinnati, um, uh, and that's where that phone that I uh, am using right now and was using then uh, is billed to. So I checked with uh, a higher up inside the Cincinnati Police Department who, a legal expert, and was very nice about it and said, you know, Dan, I think this is a crime, but because of the politics around it, um, I'm going to look a little deeper into uh, whether or not we have venue or not. And, and, and what he had found, and at least what he relayed to me, was that um, uh, that, that it should be where the, the call was made or where the call was received, back to Loveland and, once again, maybe Cincinnati, but we don't know. And, uh, you know, I also had talked to somebody at the prosecutor's office, and, and, and let me say this. They have a lot going on right now. They, 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 uh, the, the Kirkland uh, thing right. is, is back, so I understand them taking some time. Uh, but there was some miscommunication between them and Loveland about that. I wanted a menacing report. I don't want a menacing report. He did not threaten to kick my rear. He 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 called me. He called me at an extremely odd hour he, when we don't communicate normally. I want to say this too. When I'm talking about taping it, you know how many phone calls I've taped in my life? How many? One. That's <laughs> okay, what I thought you were going to say. Yeah, one. This is the first yeah. time I've ever taped a phone call. I'd like to go. Uh, well, I'd like to live a good long life in her 30, 40 years, but I, I doubt I'll ever record another one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I had heard the rumors about this happening with this particular individual in the past. And um, because of that, you know, I, I said that enough's enough. We are constantly being held up and saying we must be transparent as police officers. We must have accountability. We must be biased for you. I heard a whole lot of bias in that, a whole lot of anti-police bias. Which really makes me angry because, you know, I know the people that I represent. Hey, Dan, I don't mean to interrupt you, but what I heard was, and I wrote it down, police corruption and unethics, which I don't think is a word, but what comes through loud and clear, police corruption. I heard it. Well, I I think there's, again, I I feel that I I think there's a bias towards cops. But, but again, in that that, uh, Ohio Revised Code section, he was a former prosecutor, do you do you or do you not hear an attempt, a purpose in that phone call to intimidate? Let me tell you something. I looked at it, and and what I can say, Dan Hills, is it's in the ballpark. I mean, I'm looking at the subsection right now that you're talking about with purpose to harass, intimidate, or abuse any person at the premises. Blah 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 blah. I mean, that <laughs> the clear purpose of that call was to try to intimidate you. Now you get it. You get into the practical question of, hey, you know, two public officials going at it. But the black letter of the law, it's clearly to me the purpose of that call was to intimidate you, Dan Hills. Well, two public officials should probably conduct business during normal business hours right. too. This is this is not anything routine. If he would have called me to his office. And, and, you know, there's been times with, uh, you know, high-ranking officials in the police department where we've cussed each other out. I get that. It's during part of the working day where, you know, they disagree with me, I disagree with them, and that's all fine and, and uh, love and war. But here I am just enjoying an evening. It's, it's Friday night, getting ready for bed. Um, you can hear the co-star in the background there, Molly the dog running around with her squeak toy. Um, this, this is not, this is not when, uh, we conduct business. This was this was a call to 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 intimidate me, and 
And like I said, if anybody else would walk in off the street and make a report about just any other routine citizen, this report would have been made. Will a prosecution be successful? I don't know um, for sure. That's that's what that's again that's what that's what the judges and juries and all those other things are for. Right. But but unfortunately, right now, when somebody important is involved, we we play the political hot potato. And uh, you know, here here's me, thirty years of public service, and I can't get a report made when I feel I've been a victim of. Uh, of, of, a, uh, of a crime. Let me ask you this, uh, and we got to get out of here, but my last question to you is, what's your next step? What are you going to do? Well, I'm, I'm going to engage the folks that uh, um, are, uh, you know, making the decision about this report. For one, I uh, already had talked to an attorney on a civil matter, but uh, uh, most importantly, tomorrow afternoon, I'm going to leave for uh, Gatlinburg and, uh, and forget <laughs> about all this for a few days. There you go, Dan Hills. Hey, thanks for hanging in with us so long tonight. I thought it was important that citizens hear this thing. It's an entirety and also get uh, your interpretation of it because you were on the receiving end. Hey, thanks a lot, Mike. You have a great night. All right. You too, Dan. All right. That was Dan Hills, president of FOP Lodge 69, talking about the late night phone call he received on October 27th from city manager Harry Black. And you heard it in its entirety and Dan Hill's interpretation of it. Mike Allen and for Gary Jeff Walker, News Radio 700 WLW. News Radio 700 WLW, Mike Allen and for Gary Jeff. Talked to Dan Hills for a long period of time. Listen to the phone call that he recorded on October 27th in the late evening hours between he and city manager Harry Black. And you know what? You heard it all. Judge for yourself. I mean, was it intimidation? I think clearly. Does it rise to the level of a criminal offense? I think good legal minds can differ about that. Want to talk to Too Sweet, see what he thinks? Too hey, Sweet, Mike, uh, how you doing? Pretty good. My humble observation, the 9-5 uh, the city manager should have never let the nighttime city manager represent him, <laughs> especially if Jack Daniels is running the show. You know what, too sweet. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I don't know about that, and I'm not going to speculate. Um, I, you know what? On a personal level, I'd never met the city manager I, until some of this recent stuff. I, he, he sure impressed me, but man, that that phone call. During the day, I agree with you. Not well. Okay. <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying, but well, I, I'm just telling you what I heard. <laughs> That's just what I heard. And listening to the. I hear you. And, it just you know, seemed like he was at his best. And, and that was that was the purpose of playing the whole thing. I mean, uh, I want people to make their own judgment on it. But the substance of, substance of it, too, Sweet, I mean, what's your thought on that? It, it looks like, uh, to use a baseball analogy, it's a squeeze play, buddy. He was definitely trying to put a squeeze on it. Like, of course, it is. is that illegal? I don't know. Well, you, you know, know me. The, only, the, the question of illegality comes in a charge of telephone, or excuse me, telecommunication, telecommunications harassment, and was the purpose of that call to intimidate Dan Hills? I I think you got to say it was, but how would a judge or a jury interpret two pretty high-powered public officials going at it, even if it technically does rise to the level of a criminal offense? Who knows? Who knows, too, sweet? It makes you wonder what the mayor thinks about it. Well, and you know what? You know what I mean? Isn't that pretty much the key? And and i got to say this. I've... Had some media sources text me uh, throughout the course of the evening. Supposedly, uh, they are hearing, not me, but these media sources, that 
there could be a resignation as early as tomorrow. I can believe that. Yeah. That's, that, that, I, can, I, I can believe that for sure. We'll see what happens to sweet. Okay, Mike. Okay, thanks Thank for you. calling in. Sure appreciate it. Hey, I got to get out of here. Boy, it was great. Absolutely great uh, hosting for Gary Jeff Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. You know, tonight, some tough stuff with uh, Dan Hills and that call. And you know what? <laughs> People in public life screw up. Oh, how do I know that? Uh, you know, and I don't know. I like to give people the benefit of the doubt because in many respects it was given to me. But but that phone call, it was difficult. I mean, it really was. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is, and that's why I want you guys to be the judge. You know, I was going to talk a little bit more about uh, Tuesday night in the elections, but I got another call here, and I want to take that, and that's Roger. Hey, Roger, you're on the big one. What you got? Oh, real quick. Yeah, this man needs to resign. Um, it is not the city manager's job to make these determinations. I think that is done by our elected officials. He works for the elected officials. If they want to make some form of referral, so be it. But it certainly, I don't believe, is the city manager's job to even begin to make a referral like that let alone use it as a threat. I, I don't see how he lasts through tomorrow. Yeah, you know what? And there have been other issues as well. And as Too Sweet pointed out, under the new, and I say new, it's been around for about 20 years, but under the, the revised city charter, I'm pretty sure that's John Cranley's call. And, you know, Cranley, I, I would think, is going to want to start out with a clean slate. And, you know, again, I, I have heard throughout the course of the evening from various media sources that, the resignation could come as early as tomorrow. Well, think about this. I would assume that most political animals, elected officials, are, are wanting to deal respectfully with the police. They may disagree with the police department, possibly, but they're not going to threaten them. They may have a disagreement, but they're not going to threaten them with an investigation. You're absolutely right about that, and I sure didn't sound like Dan Hills was threatened by me. It did sound like he was uh, that uh, the city manager was trying to intimidate him. But if you know Dan Hills, uh, he's not going to back down anybody. Hey, Roger, we've got to get out of here, but I appreciate thank your you. call. Bye -bye. Okay, thank you. Hey, listen, got to get out of here. Uh, Tuesday night was election night. Wanted to thank uh, and congratulate all the people that called in. We got some new judges. We've got new council members. Three of them. Want a special thanks to Jeff Pastor who called in tonight and, uh, you know, just all of the people that campaigned and worked on campaigns and those that voted, congratulations to all of you. Mike Allen in for Gary Jeff. I'll be back Saturday from 9 to 11 on Saturday midday on News Radio 700 WLW. Hey, we're back on the big one. Mike Allen in for Gary Jeff Walker and talking about the election Tuesday night and the consequences of it and how it affects Donald Trump, how it affects the national scene. We're also going to talk to our next guest about how it affects the local scene and you know, some of the local races, too, the main race being the mayor's race. And we're going to talk to a man who knows from what he speaks when he's talking about political matters, I'm talking about our friend, Professor Mac Mariani from the Xavier University Political Science Department. Professor Mariani, 
is one of those professors who does not indoctrinate his students. He exposes his students to both sides of an issue. Gee, imagine that. Professor Mariani, welcome back to the big one. It's good to be with you, Mike. Uh, You know what? And I know you and I know about you, and that introduction is true. And again, like I said, if I'm a parent sending my kids to a fine Jesuit institution like Xavier University, that's what I want. I want the kids to hear all sides of the issue, and I appreciate you doing that. Hey, let's talk first about Tuesday night and the Virginia governor's race. What's your read of that? I mean, is that one that the Republicans expected to win? Lieutenant Governor uh, Ralph Northen, the Democrat, uh, ran against Ed Gillespie, former RNC chair, and the Democrat won by nine points. What's your take on that? You know, I think the Republicans started to feel a little bit optimistic about this race in the in the closing weeks of the campaign. Um, in part because uh, Northam and, uh, and the Democratic uh, uh, campaign were, were uh, kind of on their heels um, in reaction to a, uh, a television ad that was run uh, by an interest group that was that, that portrayed, um, I guess, Republican supporters and pickup trucks as potential murderers, and that they were trying to run down a bunch of kids who were Hispanic or um, African American and things like that. And there was a kind of an expectation that there was a bit of a backlash against that. And um, and I think that uh, Northam certainly acted like the polling was showing it. I mean, he, he looked a bit desperate in the closing weeks, which gave Republicans, I think, some cause for optimism that maybe the race had turned around. Uh, but in the end, it kind of returned to where it had been pretty much most of the summer and a good part of the fall uh, with Northam with a, a fairly healthy lead. I think he ended up winning by nine points mm-hmm. uh, more dramatically the the house of delegates shift there was uh, the democrats had picked up at least 15 uh, seats in the house of delegates um they only had 34 originally so right now they're at 49 seats and there's a there's four seats le- left to be determined so it, it's uh it's kind of a coin flip about whether or not the democrats will end up picking up at least half and sharing control of the chamber in the house of delegates in virginia which would be a, which would be a big shift Professor Mariani, you just mentioned that what I consider just an absolutely horrible and despicable ad where an interest group put the ad together with a truck chasing uh, African-American little kids and and I believe kids that were depicted uh, as perhaps Hispanic. And uh, let me ask you, did that come up in, in any of your political science classes in discussion among the students? No, I, you know, it really didn't. I mean, it, partly because we're doing a lot of historical work this part of the semester. Um, but I think also a lot of the students were really focused on, on the races here. And, you know, there a lot of people were volunteering for the Cranley race. And, you know, what's interesting is I think the, the, the race here in, in Cincinnati, you know, part, you know, you think about the partisanship, you think about the Trump effect. All that stuff mattered in Virginia, but because of the way we run our elections here in Cincinnati, we had two Democratic candidates running for mayor. Um, you have a nine-seat, you know, uh, campaign uh, where there's only a handful of Republicans who are running. That's really not a party-based campaign for those city council people. There's really no incentive to go out there and bash Republicans um, or vice versa. And so we really, you know, the campaign we saw here in Cincinnati was very different from the one we saw in Virginia, right. in which, you know, Donald Trump was on the ballot as far as Democrats were concerned. There was a huge anti-Trump turnout among the Democrats. The Democrats were very motivated to show up to vote. Um, I think the Democrat, there's been some demographic changes in Northern Virginia. Um, How about the influence in part- of federal workers, Professor? That's one of the things that I've heard 
that there are so many federal workers, I guess, in northern Virginia, they tend to vote Democrat. Is that something that uh, that you picked well, up as and, well? And that, that, that has been a, a growing source of strength for the Democratic Party, um, because uh, I think they, there was some research recently that 10, I think it was 10 of the top 100 wealthiest uh, uh, communities in the United States are within driving distance of the U S Capitol, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's become a, a, you know, it's become a huge, very wealthy uh, community where most of the people make their living in some fashion from the government. Some of them are contractors with the government. Some of them are uh, government workers. So it has dramatically changed. And one of the things you can see is that in, in the Virginia race, there's two or three pockets of Democratic voters with very large numbers, and then the rest of the state is red. Uh, it's actually very similar to what you see in New York and what you see in some of these other states where these, these urban, urban areas, in this case northern Virginia, are really driving the results. Um, and that's a state that's become more and more blue over time. As West Virginia has moved more red, you see the, the Virginia itself has become almost consistently blue, with the exception of some backlash elections against, uh, against Democrats when people feel they've gone too far. So um, that just kind of reiterated the problems that Republicans are having in Virginia. I also think another issue there is that the, the Republican candidate really struggled to find the right approach to Trump. Um, he's in a, he was Gillespie is an establishment candidate. He worked for Dick Armey in the in the Republican House of Representatives. Well, yeah, he was the that, RNC chair too. He was the RNC chair. I mean, but he goes back. I mean, he was he was Army's chief of staff when mm-hmm. I was in the Capitol back in the early nineties. He's um, he's an establishment Republican, right? He's and and one of the challenges I think is he was running a race that was in many ways kind of caught between two worlds, you know touting his insider status on one hand, and then trying to find a way to embrace Trump policies in another. And I think um, done in a fairly ham-handed way, um, I think to some extent the emphasis on um, the kind of the, the emphasis that they took on sanctuary cities and MS-13 and um, embracing uh, the statues, the Confederate statues, the national anthem and some of the ads, um, you know, what that did was they all seem to have a racial component that, you know, that really helped kind of drive, I think. Black- Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Turnout to some extent. It also, I think, poisoned Gillespie um, from the more moderate Northern Virginia voters, which he, he had done fairly well with in past elections. So, you know, one of the things I think you see this kind of civil war among, Repu- among Republicans between these kind of never Trump Republicans and, uh, the Trump supporters, uh, who are more populist and who have a different kind of mindset. And I think that a candidate like Gillespie is really uncertain how to, you know, do I embrace Trump? Do I not embrace Trump? And I think he ended up having kind of the worst of both worlds and kind of trying to have a foot in each camp. And, and um, you know, I don't know if it was a race that was winnable, to be honest with you, given how motivated the Democrats were, but it, it right. was, uh, certainly was not the best campaign that, we, that we've seen uh, this year. Hey, before we shift to New Jersey, Donald Trump tweeted, I guess from China this morning at about 8.40 p.m., Here's Trump's tweet about Gillespie and about uh, Virginia. He said, Ed Gillespie worked hard, but he did not embrace me or what I stand for. Don't forget, and you knew this is coming from Trump. He said, don't forget, Republicans won four out of four House seats, 
and the economy is doing record numbers, and we will continue to win even bigger than before. So Donald Trump, not surprisingly, trying to put a positive face on it. Yeah, well, and, and that kind of goes to you know, there's no, there's no there's there's no love loss between between people like Gillespie, the establishment yep. candidates, and, and Trump. Um, they're going to you know they will say the right things at times, um, but invariably they're going to you know they're they're not working with each other, uh, and even behind the scenes, I think they're kind of working against one another, and and it's a real problem. The Republicans have to figure out how to deal with it. I think part of it is just accepting the fact that Trump is the leader of the party. Um, and also part of that, I think, is, you know, is finding ways to work with Trump without kind of embracing probably the worst out, the, the worst or, or at least savory elements of this campaign. I get that. Let's shift to New Jersey. I guess no surprise there. Uh, Phil Murphy, the Democrat losing, excuse me, the uh, the Democrat winning against Lieutenant Governor Kim uh, Guadagno. I guess that Lieutenant Governor Guadagno got some of the the. the slime or ooze or dirt or whatever kind of heaped on her from chris christie that's a 13 point loss for the republicans there i don't know that uh and you tell me professor i don't know that she was expected to win but i don't think she was expected to lose by 13 points yeah you know i think again this is you know there, there's one i think that that's a seat there you know a state that has not been very republican um but chris christie showed that there was a path yeah. for republicans and i think it's very interesting to think about how far you know, the Republican Party has fallen in some parts of the country where you had this kind of the, this new sort of Republican governor just not that long. I mean, really wasn't that long ago. Five, six years ago, this guy was, this guy was a superstar. He's going to run for president. Um, and, and then he got caught in a corruption scandal that, that involved uh, blocking a bridge to, to, yep. to, to penalize a, um, a, a mayor who had, uh, who had, who had crossed him. And, uh, and there was a lot of lying about it. And a couple of people ended up going to jail. You know, and um, and also Christie, I think, just kind of wore out his welcome. You know, his style was very brash. It was in your face. It was very New Jersey. And I think that that when when he was fighting, when people saw him as the person who was fighting for them, it worked. And as the second they they questioned it, the second they wondered whether or not this guy was just a traditional politician, he you know that 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 personality became, I think, a uh, um, uh, kind of a, an anchor on him, and I think uh, in particular you think about the scene where he closes the beaches, oh, and wow. then he, then, a, a then he's there and takes a picture <laughs> of him on the state beach in front of his the mayor's house with a whole bunch of his family and friends, and you know it just goes to you know this is a guy who again people thought was different, they thought he was not like the typical politician, and you know and then here he is living up the kind of life of a fat cat. Um, and, and that was not something that obviously, um, you know, his, his career pretty much melted down from there. And, uh, it, it really is a, you look back on, on Republican candidates who had these kind of brief shining moments. Uh, Scott Walker had moments. Yeah. And, uh, um, I think Scott Walker probably still has a future in the Republican party, but I think that, uh, that it's a very unlikely that Chris Christie does. I agree with you. You know, the Democrats, of course, are crowing. You can't blame them. DNC uh, chair Tom Perez said Tuesday night that the Democrats won because they won because voters know Democrats share their values of inclusion and opportunity. Uh, Perez stressed that the new DNC showed its commitment to organizing for our values. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, of course, and again, you can't blame him. She's saying now that the door is open to retaking the House. Chuck Schumer said it was a, a, just a complete rejection of Donald Trump. What say you, Professor Mariani? 
Well, I, I, I think that the problem for Republicans is that they haven't delivered, right? And so, you know, what did the Republicans have to kind of point to that they've done? Um, you know, the, the, the big items that were, that kind of have been on the Republican list for a long time related to, you know, how balancing the budget and we're going to, um, get rid of Obamacare yeah. and, you know, none of those things are happening. Uh, Republicans seem to be kind of in disarray in part again because there, there's a split between the party between the Trump forces and the, and the anti-Trump forces. Um, you know, now the, you know, the wall isn't getting built. If you're a Trump supporter and you wanted the wall to get built, well, that's not being built. So the Trump supporters aren't too happy. And the people who are worried about the cost of government going up, they're not happy because the budget deficit is still climbing. Um, and you know, now they have this chance with, uh, with, uh, tax reform. And, uh, the, the challenge there is, of course, everybody's got a, you know, got a particular benefit that's in there that they're gonna like, and it's a very, very unpopular to cut benefits, and so there's a, there's a minus with, with tax reform, unless you play it right, and, uh, the Republicans don't seem to be able to get on the same page, so it's gonna be very hard to, it's gonna be very hard again for Republicans to actually get things done, and I think they've gotta show that they can govern. Uh, and if they don't, they're going to pay the price. And yeah. not necessarily because Democrats are great and not necessarily because the, the people love Democrats. Um, but they're going to, they're, they're going to unleash their anger at the Republicans either by showing up to the polls and voting against them or if they're Republicans by staying home and not, or not donating to candidates or not, not showing up to, to rallies and events and, and getting out the vote. So it's, uh, it really is an incumbent, incumbent on the Republicans who have the majority in both houses. They have the, you know, the, the White House. It's incumbent on them to get things done and voters haven't seen it. And so, uh, it's not surprising that they're going to pay a price. Let me ask you this, Professor Mariani. Let's just assume, well, I don't want to assume, but let's just say that Republicans cannot come through on tax reform. So they have not come through on tax reform. They've not come through on repeal and replace, uh, you know, not come through on a number of things. Will it be a, a total wipeout for the Republicans at the midterm? And is Nancy Pelosi right? Can the House be taken back by the Democrats? Oh, I, I think absolutely. I, I think the Senate will be a hard, a hard, uh, a hard pill for, for Democrats because they, uh, they are um, uh, just the, the playing field. There are so many Democrats up, right. for, um, uh, and so many and so few Republicans. There's just not a lot of seats uh, for for Democrats to gain. Um, so it'd be it'd be hard for them to do it. It's not impossible. I mean, what you really would probably see in the Senate is this kind of missed opportunity for Republicans, where they you know they could have picked up five or six seats, and they end up losing two instead. You know, it's an eight seat swing. Uh, which makes governing all the harder, um, going forward. Um, but I think on the, on the House side, um, yeah, I think there's a lot more volatility in, in House races to some extent. Um, well, I guess the volatility is not the right word, but I think that the Republicans are more vulnerable in the House. Uh, they're all up for re-election, right? 435, yep. uh, uh, Republican, 435, uh, seats in, in Congress and the House of Representatives all up at the same time. Um, and turnout is everything. And, um, in a midterm election in particular, if the, if people are motivated to show up, you can make a real difference. And, and that's, uh, you know, we saw that in Virginia and we'll see that again in, in November of 2018 if Republicans don't find a way to, to, to give their voters a reason to show up. Well, we'll see what happens. We're out of time, not able to discuss those local races. Maybe we can do it another time. XU Political Science Professor Mac Mariani, thank you so much for your time. Thanks a lot. All right, sir. Thank you. See you, Mike. All right. All right, Mike Allen, uh, talking to XU Political Science Professor Mac Mariani on the big one, 700 WLW. 
News Radio 700 WLW. Mike Allen in tonight for Gary Jeff Walker on this, the night after election night. You know, I don't know about you. I hope you listened last night. I had a heck of a time. I mean, I actually thoroughly enjoyed that. Three hours is a lot of radio to do, and three hours from the hours of 9 p.m. to midnight can sometimes be a little draining, but man, it flew by last night. It was really exciting. It was really fun. Thanks to all of you for listening. I hope we uh, imparted a little bit of knowledge last night, but I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm a political junkie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, you know, a lot of people said, you know, hey, Mike, what's the big deal? It's an off-year election. You know, nothing statewide other than issues up. Uh, not that big of a deal, but it was. I mean, it was for this community. We got two new judges uh, in our municipal court. That's the court where most of the public get their taste of the justice system. Alan Triggs, uh, new municipal court judge, was elected last night. We talked to him. Jackie Janakia, who already is a municipal court judge, but through appointment by Governor Kasich, she won a six-year term for herself over on the West Side Judicial District 7. Township trustees, I mean, the heart of municipal government at a smaller level, had uh, had some turnover last night, turnover on the Colerain Township, Board of Township trustees, Delhi Township, Sycamore Township. And then leading into the city of Cincinnati, the mayor's race. And, you know, I don't think that a lot of people were surprised that John Cranley won. I think there was some question about it simply because of the thumping that Yvette Simpson put on Mayor Cranley in the primary. I guess there was somewhat of a question, but, you know, she gave uh, John Cranley a sword or actually John Cranley gave her a sword, that being the Children's Hospital debacle and Boy, he twisted it in, uh, and he really took that issue and drove it home and won convincingly 54% to 46% over Yvette Simpson. City council, we've got three new city council members. That's fully one-third of city council is changing, and the three new council members are young people, people that are ready to make their mark on city council, Democrats, Tamaya Denard and uh, Greg Landsman, they won. They won pretty handily. And the young man you're going to hear from in just a minute here, Republican Jeff Pastor. Jeff came in ninth place. He was all. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All around 9th, 10th, 8th, all night long. But at the end of the voting, the end of the night, he ends up number 9. Number 9 gets you on council winning with 21,339 votes. Uh, his next competitor, and I don't want to say her name because she's probably not feeling real good right now. Don't want to rub it in. But you know, at the end of the, the night, it was a little bit close at first, but 
Jeff Pastor opened up that lead on her. He's got a comfortable lead at ninth. I don't think there'll be any issue for a recount. And we want to talk to this young man. Jeff Pastor, welcome to the big one. And first and foremost, congratulations. Thank you, Mike Allen. And thank you for having me here on your show. My pleasure, my pleasure. I got to ask you, what did you do today? Walk us through your day today, the day after your victory. And let me point out, you are a first-time council candidate. You are a first-time Republican council candidate in a very Democratic city, and you won. So you got to be feeling good. What did you do today? Well, (laughs) I tried to rest, Uh uh, and then that wasn't sufficient because I went to bed at 4, Woke up at seven, and then I made my uh, rounds, giving my congratulatory remarks, uh, talking to my wife, uh, and really just preparing myself for governance. I'll tell you what. Now, you guys get sworn in when? You know, I've heard somebody, some people say that we get sworn in on December the first. I've heard people say we get sworn in on in January, but I'm pretty sure it's December first. Or sometime in December. I think you're right about that for city council, and you'll be ready for it. What What are some of the things that you're going to be doing to prepare yourself for it? Well, the things that I do to prepare myself is trying to figure out a way that we uh, focus on um, governing good policy positions, um, make collaboration, and all those things that are incredibly important. I tell people uh, quite often, that I don't want to make the rookie mistakes. I don't want to get in there and, and say, you know, I want 15 pieces of legislation that I want passed. So for me, it's all about studying, getting to know the issues in detail, um, you know, getting to meet other council members before you can you can prepare sound policies. But number one thing is making sure you, you have, as your guide, sound fiscal policies uh, that you're going to be a watchdog over taxpayer dollars. And so when I get there, I mean, that's, that's, that's the number one thing. Research, study, collaborate, uh, and then take action. Let me ask you this. Have you had a chance yet to talk to Mayor Cranley? Have you thought about committee assignments, maybe where you'd like to go as far as committees? It's a great question. You know, anywhere uh, that the mayor would like for me to serve, uh, I'm willing to serve. Um, I did speak to uh, Mayor Cranley last night uh, and had a great conversation. Uh, and I've already said congratulations to him, but I'll say it on the show. Congratulations, Mayor Cranley, if you're listening. Um, and just had a healthy conversation and said, I'm ready to work with the mayor to move the city forward. You have a master's in business administration, and you just talk, talked about fiscal responsibility. Is that going to be one of the main things that you look out for in city council? Because I sure think it's needed. Absolutely. And because the reality is we can't ask for the citizens to pull themselves up by the bootstraps as we just spend, spend, spend. And and, 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 and being a fiscal conservative uh, doesn't mean that you don't want to spend. It means that you want to spend wisely so we can get the best return on our investment. Um, and so that's a promise that I made on the campaign trail that, you know, our concern should be re- reducing poverty, crime, and taxpayer costs by focusing on jobs, education, housing. And whatever comes across my desk, I want to make sure that it's fiscally sound, that we're going to get the best return on our investment, and that it's fair for all taxpayers. Probably one of the smartest fiscal guys, financial guys on city council is Chris Smitherman, a financial advisor by trade. Chris is an independent, but I think you guys are pretty closely philosophically aligned. Is he a council member you're going to try to get close to and work with? I'm going to make sure I stay close to Councilwoman Murray, uh, Councilman Uh Smitherman, Mayor Cranley, um, because I I really respect their fiscal uh, ideology. Um, I like how... 
Uh, they are partners with the business community, uh, responsive to citizen needs, prioritizing basic services, uh, public safety, which is incredibly important for taxpayers. Oh, yeah. um, and, and just some of the ideas over the last four years that I think would be healthy uh, going into the next four years, I'm going to make sure that uh, they remain mentors to me. And, you know, that's a good group that you mentioned there. Talked to a guy last night right at the close of the show, and I'll tell you, I am just sad to see him go off a of city council, and I hope he continues his career of public service. I know you know who I'm talking about, and that's our mutual friend, Charlie Winburn. You know, <laughs> if I know Charlie, and I know you know Charlie, he's not yeah. going to go uh, go hide in a corner somewhere or just be completely a preacher, which he is par yeah. excellence at. What kind of yeah. influence will Charlie have on you and I guess other members of council, but mainly you. Well, you know, and that's a great question. I, Charlie uh, was instrumental in helping me maneuver uh, through the last about 62, 63 days of this uh, election. Um, and, you know, as an elder statesman that he is, uh, he's helped me to, you know, refine my message, craft my message, and to be able to have the right advertisement package for me to be able to get my name out there. Um, I, I value uh, fiscal conservatives, uh, and as you know, he was there to help along with Mary Cranley and Smitherman and Murray uh, to craft plans for that matter, to craft a structurally balanced budget. So I'm always open uh, to sound wisdom from people like uh, uh, Councilman, outgoing Councilman uh, Charlie Winburn. Um, so he's instrumental, and I, I think that um, it, it's just my nature. I'm just humble by nature, right? You, so ab- just, I, you yeah. absolutely are. And, you know, driving around town when I saw your billboards and a lot of times in political advertising, and I'm, I'm kind of rusty at all of this, a candidate would come into me when I was chairman and said, Mr. Chairman, I'm going to spend X amount of dollars on billboards. And it's like, oh, boy, I don't know if that's a wise expenditure. I don't think there's any doubt that yours were, you know, especially the ones, and I don't know if you had a series of them, but you and your Navy uniform, and, and there's nothing yeah. fake or you know, illegitimate about that. That's that's what you did. That's who you are. And I think it was very effective. Yeah. And I think for me, now the Navy uniform picture was my idea. That wasn't Councilman Wimpey. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. so, <laughs> sorry, Charlie. So, but um, no, that, that was my idea because I wanted people to understand that I was ready to serve. However, I'm, I should clarify, when I say boobers, I'm talking about the four by eight, you know, the big yard. Right, thing. right, right. Uh, that's that's when we were able to turn this campaign uh, completely around. But, you know, I, I think that before you can even get to advertising materials, you have to have first, have first done the, you know, the, the prerequisite uh, work, which I, I consider knocking on doors. Absolutely. You know, so we decided to knock on our doors early to get buzz going and keep precincts. Well, I, t- I tell you, you sure hit the right places and knocked on a lot of doors. I wanted to ask you about something in the closing days of the campaign. That's when I thought, you know, this young man's for real. This young man wants it. You loaned your campaign, if I'm not mistaken, $54,000. Is that correct? That's correct. And, boy, I'll tell you what, Jeff Pastor, you talk about tossing the dice. I mean, as a – which will you will soon be an incumbent council member, I'm not exactly sure what the fundraising rules are, but I think you'll be able to recoup that relatively easily. But – that was a heck of a risk, and I think it shows your dedication and your desire to get this job and now do this job. Was that a difficult decision for you uh, to, to lend your campaign that much money? 
it was a difficult decision for my wife and I. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to ask you about that. <laughs> uh, because it, essentially, you you are taking a risk when you loan your your camera. And I think what what really um, really you know kind of set the uh, tone for us was when we when we knew that we couldn't win this campaign. When we when we knew that uh, we had to dif- differentiate ourselves from the the pack, and we said that we have a unique story to tell. Um, and we just have to have the right resources to, to tell that story. Um, and so, you know, after consulting with lawyers and that sort of thing, we said, well, this is the best option for us. Uh, and we did it. So you did. And you certainly did do it. I have to ask you this. Tell me what election night was like for you. I assume you were probably at the board down there. I, I think you were at least a little bit with Charlie watching that that lead go back and forth, back and forth. And then finally, when the last precincts come in, you came in strong. What was that like? It was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, and it was a. Uh, I mean, it was amazing in terms of the outcome, but uh Going through the process, it was difficult, you know, because you never knew. <laughs> I mean, when I started off, I started off, I think, uh, in in the lead. Yeah, the, you did. I know you did. You know, and, and with the early voting, and I'm like, wow, this is going to be a great day. And then for a while there, <laughs> as they were reporting, I'm like, wow, I'm just, I was never too far off. Right. Um, and, and so I said, you know, I kept asking, you know, people in the war room, I said, what, what precincts have reported? Um, and, and when we figured, when we started seeing the wars reporting, we started Bond Hill and Rose Line and yeah. all these other, I'm like, man, we're not losing that much. <laughs> so we, we have to be doing something. Um, and then when they told me that the West Side hasn't reported, That's right. I, I just knew. I said, this, this, this is going to end in our favor. And I want to say this. I said this uh, earlier today on Gary Jeff Walker's uh, show. It was Sailor Park. Really? Twenty 21st, 19th Ward. 21st or 19th? Uh, 21st. That's right. Okay. I'll be darned. Well, you know what? That's always been good Republican territory. Hey, uh, council member elect Jeff Pastor, we got to get out of here, but thank you so much for calling in. I hope we can call on you again. Please. Yes. Thanks for having me. And thank you to your listeners. Have a great day. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Wow. What a great young man. So happy for him. Uh, council member elect. Jeff Pastor, you're going to be hearing a lot from this young man. Mike Allen in for Gary Jeff Walker, News Radio 700 WLW. Hey, I've enjoyed sitting in for Gary Jeff these last three days. Uh, sometimes I got to remind myself, as you heard, that it's a three hour show, not a two hour show like on Saturday. But again, it was great talking to all the elected officials. We talked about some serious stuff tonight, too. But, you know, to those who put up the yard signs, make sure you get them down. You know, to those who uh, did all the campaigning, did all the walking, made the phone calls, congratulations to all of you, and, and thank you for working for the candidate of your choice. And, uh, again, it's crucial to our system. Mike Allen and for Gary Jeff Walker, I'll be back on Saturday to do my two-hour show from 9 to 11, News Radio 700, WLW. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.